What a wonderful blessing they are to all of us. This is our first Sunday of our four Sundays of Advent, and today we are talking about waiting, which is one of the first themes when it has to do with Advent. And so we're going to be reading, and all of our messages and themes will be coming from the Psalms throughout our Advent season. And so uh, today we're from a reading from Psalm 130. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and his word, in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him a plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Let's always remember that the power resides in God's word. Thank you. And you may be seated. So when you were growing up, whatever your uh, denomination or maybe uh, you didn't go to church, what was your understanding of the season of Advent? Well, as I was growing up, I don't ever remember hearing Advent. It was all about Christmas. Now, as a child, in some sense of the word, I did experience Advent. After all, Advent points to something coming. The Advent season is a time that points toward Christmas. And for me, Christmas could not get there quick enough. So I was experiencing Advent, waiting. And I knew that Christmas was about the birth of Jesus Christ. But I really wasn't waiting to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. That is my confession for today. I was waiting for Christmas morning. So that I could open my gifts. And as I grew up, I cannot even remember ever giving gifts. Even as a minister. I could not get my arms around this season of Advent as I would talk with my friends from other denominations. It really has taken me years to understand, to some degree, the liturgical calendar that many other denominations use on a regular basis. But from that, I have gained a sense of importance for the season of Advent in preparing for the coming of Christ. And the season of Lent in preparing for his sufferings and his death and his resurrection. Advent is a season of four weeks leading up to... Christmas, his coming, 
But it really points to three comings. First of all, when Christ came in the flesh, the incarnation, Christmas. And then there is the preparing of the second coming for those of us who already know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But then there's also this heightened awareness of the in-between time, that is, the already and the not yet. Christ has already come, but the kingdom has not yet been fulfilled. So we're in this in-between time. And what are we supposed to do until then? Well, do we do nothing? This third coming is when Christ comes to the individual and he convicts us of our sinfulness and he bestows grace upon us and mercy and forgiveness. And I see all three of these comings in Psalm 130. First of all, we're going to talk about the Old Testament prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. The Old Testament is full of verses, scripture, concepts, ideas about the Messianic king who was supposed to come and rule in righteousness. This was the Jewish faith. It is the Jewish faith and hope. When the Messiah comes... Judah was to be saved. Israel was to dwell in safety. More than anything else, this hope in the Messiah preserved the faith of the nation of Israel. They were beaten down by enemies. They were carried away to foreign lands, yet their spirits rose with hope of some kind of a deliverance. This messianic king who would rule over them and deliver them from their oppressors. Now, from a Christian perspective, we believe that the Jewish nation may have misunderstood the very nature of their own scriptures. Because we believe that that hope of the Messiah was not a military or political figure, but the suffering servant, Jesus Christ himself. But even though that may be true, the hope for the Messiah kept Judaism from degenerating into simply a legalistic and dry performance of ceremony and ritual without any understanding. In fact, the mere form and outwardness of religion is not something that God desires. And Jesus addressed this in a lot of different ways. You see, that was the purpose of the prophets. The prophets were there to make it clear that Jehovah was present and he wanted us to have clean hands and a pure heart. They were the spiritual preachers reminding the kings and the priests and the people that sacrifices just in and of themselves were not going to do their job without a pure heart and clean hands, having their fasts and their assemblies and their new moons. Anything that is just outward form is not what God desires. And that's something that we as a church always has to keep, we have to keep in mind. 
We love the beauty of the music. In the mornings, uh, we put on uh, traditional Christmas music, and we have some lights in our home, and we like our little nutcrackers and our angels, and I just wish Christmas season was all the time. But none of that means anything if it's just outward form. The same is true within the church. Starting all the way back to Genesis, the Jewish people had promises of Messiah that was going to take care of their sin problem. We could go back to Genesis 3, where he says, where God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And when we come to Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, that is the seed of woman, born under the law. And even in Genesis 12, he was part of the seed of Abraham, where God says, I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then we get to Galatians. Paul says this, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say to the seeds, plural, as many, but as of one. And your seed, who is Christ. We could go on and on, but we could probably have a whole year's series of messages about the Old Testament being fulfilled in the New Testament with Jesus Christ, but we will continue. Scores of prophecies throughout the history of Israel demonstrated that they longed for and they were waiting for their Messiah to come and save them. They desperately wanted God to intervene. And time and time again, some great nation or empire would come and they would defeat them and they would rule over them and they would exile them. But these were God's chosen people. The prophets kept reminding God's people that these oppressors came as a result of their own sin toward their covenant God. They had been unfaithful to God. Therefore, God would bring these great empires to come and to judge Israel. But as a whole, they just didn't get the connection. You see, the Messiah wasn't simply to come and deliver them from a national or physical captivity. The Messiah was to come to deliver them from the captivity of their own sinfulness. And if they as a nation had walked according to the principles of God's grace and mercy, they would not have reaped the judgment. So we can see that there was a longing for the Messiah, but sometimes they would forget But not only was Advent about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus coming as a babe, but we also see Advent in the New Testament in the coming of the Messiah and the Deliverer and his second coming. You see, Advent not only speaks about the waiting for the Messiah the first time, it speaks about the longing, the waiting of the second coming. I'm just going to read a few verses. Again, there are scores, but I just want you to get a sense of this from Acts Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Philippians, but you're 
citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait, await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Colossians, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. From 2 Timothy, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. But not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. From Hebrews, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. From James, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or we will will be judged and the judge is standing at the door. From 1 Peter But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. From 2 Peter, first of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires, and they will say, where is the coming he promised? From Jude, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus to bring you eternal life. And finally from Revelation. Behold I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. We can see all through scripture. That we should not only celebrate. The first coming. Being born. God becoming flesh. Emmanuel. But we should also, with anticipation, understand that when he comes again, again, he is not coming as a sacrificial lamb. He is coming as a lion, a king, and Lord. On most of these verses in the New Testament, there is a moral ingredient. That moral ingredient means that we don't wait passively. We should be waiting actively for his coming. We are in between the two comings. We celebrate Christmas, but we wait for what he began on the cross in the empty tomb. We wait. You know, the first thing that we have to deal with in being active in our waiting is dealing with our sin. Now, there's all kinds of things that we need to deal with, but the only thing we're going to deal with today is our sin. And you might say, I'm glad we're only dealing with our sin. Really? Really? Is that you're glad that we're going to be dealing with sin? He's already come, but he's not yet been glorified with us. So while we hope and wait for his coming, we've got to pay attention. To the personal coming. That is him personally coming into our lives. Changing us. 
We see that here in Psalm 130. He cries in desperation for his own deliverance. He says in verse 1, out of the depths. This is a figurative way of talking about severe distress. When we think about the roaring sea and its depths and the winds, how chaotic it can be and how floundering can lead to despair. I've mentioned on several occasions how I admire so many of you and your spiritual maturity because you have walked through those waters of deep despair. And you came out on the other side because of God's grace. The best place to reach God is in the depths of our despair. When we're at the bottom, we cry out to God. You know, he hears that prayer. When we reach the end of ourselves and we try to cry out to God, we have nothing to offer him. Not even our joy at that point. And he comes to us. Verse 2, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. This is a vocal prayer. I am not, uh, when I get up here, I do get expressive, but in my prayers, I'm just not very expressive. They're, to me, if I were to listen to the way I pray, I sound pretty boring. I don't know why that is. I'm not a psychologist. I cannot analyze myself. But I will tell you this. When I have been in points of despair, even though I don't yell and shout out in my cry, I cry inwardly and with depth because of the emotional stress that I'm going through. What is this psalmist going through? Well, he's not going through the distress of outward negative influences. Most of us experience that, but that's not his distress. His distress is caused by his own inner heart of sin. I think we've lost that today. We've been together for a long time. And you don't hear me preaching hell and damnation and trying to get you scared enough to walk the aisle. We heard a wonderful sermon by David Jeremiah Friday morning on a healthy fear of God. I don't think in our day and age that we fear the judgment for our sin. And therefore, Jesus gets to just be a nice little baby. And we put flowers and we make everything so pretty. Jesus came in the flesh. The creator became part of his creation to take upon himself our sin. You know, before you can have good news, you've got to face the bad news. The psalmist is crying for mercy about his own sin. How we 
justifier I behavior. He humbly pleads for grace and mercy. He does not appeal to God based on his own merits or his own righteousness. He knows that he has sinned. He longs to be forgiven. Oh, that we would be that sensitive. Verse 3, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? God knows everything about you more than you know your own self. He knows our sin. He knows our guilt. Even our own passive-aggressive rebellion toward him. And by good works and trying to do better than someone else, we try to wash away our own sinful guilt. And here's what Jeremiah says about that. God says, though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord God. He is a just God. He knows our sin. And then the psalmist asks this question. If the Lord counted our sins against us, who could stand? And the answer is no one. None of us can justify our sinfulness. Have you ever felt that depth of despair because of what you have done or shouldn't have done? Out of the depth I cry to you, O Lord. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. There's an honest desperation in this prayer. He doesn't gloss over his difficult situation. He acknowledges his absolute dependence. And why can he do that? Because of verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. You know, it's interesting. The way we think about fearing the Lord, we would think because we can't stand before him, I fear him. But the psalmist says, because there is forgiveness, I fear him. And it's not just talking about respect. One of the great illustrations that David Jeremiah used was going to Niagara Falls and being in a safe place under the falls, but feeling the power and the weight of it. Being that close to it that you that he knew that if he were just a little closer to the water, it would obliterate him, smash him to the rocks. But he is safe in the harbor while he is surrounded by the destructive power of the water. And while he is feeling safe, he feels a sense of fear of the water around him. We can be safe in Jesus Christ, but we can also know that there is a righteousness about God. In verse 5, he says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. In his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Folks, I think one reason that our souls don't wait and that we are not desperate is because we have not been in his word. 
the psalmist knew what God's word says. And not only did he fear the Lord because of what was in his word, he hoped in the Lord because of what's in his word. We don't have to stand under that judgment because Jesus Christ took the judgment upon himself. You can pray all night. He's not talking about a normal day. Yes, this is a picture of a watchman waiting till sunrise. I've talked to several of you who have been in the military, some on the Navy ships where you have a watch and you just can't, it's just dark. And you're waiting for that sunrise and you're waiting for that sunrise. It's just all you can do. You know you have a duty. You know that you are active and you're not being passive. But then you begin to see the break of dawn. And it's not just because your watch may be over. It's because the darkness didn't stay. There's light. There's also this picture, and we see it in the scriptures, of the bride who was waiting. In the custom of the Jewish people, the bridegroom would leave his place and go and find his bride. And she's waiting and waiting and waiting. Then she hears, the bridegroom's coming. Well, that's where some of those uh, ladies in waiting didn't have enough oil for their lamps and they missed it. He says, Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from their iniquities. This redemption means to be delivered from sin, and the psalmist is pleading. He knows personally this is where those different comings come from. Yes, we need a Messiah to come and deliver us. But I need a Messiah to come and deliver me from my own sin. But Israel, you need to trust. His redemption is for the nation because they were a covenant people. There's not only hope for a covenant people, there's also hope and redemption for all people groups all over the globe. This is why we emphasize international missions. The world needs to hear the good news. Jesus paid the full price for all of our sin on the cross, for all of us who would come to him. And guess what? He is not miserly with his grace. It's plentiful. People outside these walls need to know of this grace and this mercy and this forgiveness. And that they too can have a personal advent, a personal waiting for his coming, a personal incarnation of Christ coming into them. This third coming is when someone sees the beauty of Christ and the ugliness of our sin. I want to end with probably some of my favorite verses from 1 John. Beloved, we are God's children now. 
And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself even as he is pure. And everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. This is the gospel in these little few verses here. How do we know if we're longing for his appearing? We don't continue to dabble in sin. We don't continue to justify our sinful behavior. If we have this hope, we purify ourselves. Not in the sense that we are pure all by ourselves, but we make every effort to be active, to become more like Christ. And why do we do that? Because he came the first time to take away the sin. That's why he came. Some of us are hoping for the second coming and we've not relied on the first coming. (laughs) Can't wait till Jesus comes back. He'll forgive me of all my conscious, deliberate, intentional, sinful way of life. No, our confidence that we're going to be with him on the second coming is that the first coming has taken an effect in our lives. He appeared to take away sin. And the result of that is that we no longer want to live in it all the time. And we look to a second coming actively. Would you pray with me that God would give us a sadness and a sorrow over our sin? That we may experience his nearness, his coming. That we would draw near to God and he would draw near to us. That we would obediently listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, this uh, waiting for you to come because we are desperate. I have to admit there are times that I've not been desperate over my sin. So, Father, even in my lack of faith, would you give me faith that I would see your beauty because I can see my sin, that you bore it on the cross. And, Father, as we sing the words of these songs, I pray that while we struggle with it, that it would be our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let us sing, I will wait for you.